In Canada, a person goes missing every seven minutes. Of the 71,000 people reported missing each year, about 26,000 of them are adults. The good news is that most of the adults reported missing will be found within a week. About 88% of them will return or be located within that time frame. But what about those that just aren't found? The mothers and fathers, sons and daughters who disappear without a trace. These are the cases that we really need your help to solve. I'm Ellen White, and you are listening to Whereabouts Unknown. This special episode you're listening to today is called Lost Souls, Betrayed Trust. Now, we've had a lot of calls and messages in recent months alerting us to the cases of six people who had gone missing from the North Bay Psychiatric Hospital in North Bay, Ontario. Now, North Bay is a lovely city with a beautiful waterfront and friendly people in Northern Ontario, Canada. Highway 11 is a major highway that runs through this community of just over 50,000 people. On Highway 11 northbound, just as you leave the city, heading for places like New Liskard or Timmins, there existed for decades a facility called the North Bay Psychiatric Hospital. The hospital was huge, housing as many as 1,100 residents at a time in its day. It was surrounded by lovely expanses of lawn and trees and backed on to a forest. It was closed in 2011 when the newly formed Northeast Mental Health Centre and the North Bay District Hospital merged in a new location on Highway 17 West in North Bay. The old North Bay Psychiatric Hospital was demolished in 2013. Now I can only imagine that the families who brought relatives to stay there during the decades it was in operation found the exterior setting to be lovely in many respects. With a troubled family member dealing with a mental health crisis or a long-time serious mental health issue, I imagine many families breathed a sigh of relief on arrival, feeling certain that their loved one would be fed, cared for, and above all, safe. There is an old saying that there is no such thing as absolutely safe, and I think that we all get that, but I think that as families of a person suffering from mental illness, who entrusted their vulnerable relative to this psychiatric hospital. The results could at times be disappointing, frustrating, and in some cases, even terrifying. So let's look at the numbers. About one in five Canadians will at one time or another experience mental illness. When that mental illness cannot be managed, many people will end up in a hospital or a psychiatric facility. And these admissions account for about 2 million hospital days every single year in our country. In our country, mental health is not funded at the same level as physical health. And about 85% of Canadians surveyed said that mental health services were the most underfunded services in our entire healthcare system. While there were residents of the North Bay Psychiatric Hospital, Philippe Guérin, Norman Welsh, Don Carice, Russell Hoffert, Terry Zupko, and Glenn Wesley just disappeared. Every single person that I've just mentioned has a family that loves them, and they place their trust in that institution to protect them and to help them heal. We have spoken with many members of these families, and we are absolutely sure of this. Not a single family would have ever turned and walked away, leaving their brother, mother, sister, son, or daughter there had they known what would happen next. I want to take a second here to talk about another person, one who is not listed among the missing. 
one who lost her life in the North Bay Psychiatric Hospital, Rita Quinlan. Rita, a patient of this hospital, was viciously attacked by a fellow patient, Jolene Cross, and strangled to death at that facility in 2003. The two women are said to have argued and the argument escalated and Jolene Cross strangled Rita Quinlan in a fit of rage. I expect that Rita Quinlan's family may have had the same incorrect picture that I had until I started to work on this story. That psychiatric patients, perhaps the most vulnerable and fragile people we have in our society, when in hospital would be watched constantly and protected every single minute. It is so sad to see that this isn't always the way that it works. Now we have heard the same tragic stories over and over again in relation to our six missing people of some families not being advised as soon as their relative went missing, sometimes not until days later, of two cases where the families were not told their members were missing until the day they were scheduled to visit, of police not being notified until perhaps a brief window of opportunity to find these people may have closed, and of people seen running off in slippers or in bitter weather conditions, unable to be caught and returned. I know that we are likely to get comments about how underfunded these institutions were and, and are and how staff was spread so thin that they were unable to care for the many patients. We don't doubt that at all, but ask this question, were family members told this at the time of admission so that they could make the best, most informed decision for and with their loved one? Were they advised that there would likely be such large gaps in security that even the most seriously ill patient could slip away. Was the family of Don Carice, for example, who had run away eight or nine times previously, found on those occasions out in traffic on a busy highway? Was her family told that she may well have an opportunity to disappear once and for all through what is alleged to have been an unlocked staff door? And during Dawn's last stay at the North Bay Psychiatric Hospital, was her family told about the rumors that were swirling? That a staff member had befriended Dawn on perhaps a more personal level? Dawn Carice was suffering from a severe mental illness, completely unable to take care of her own even most basic needs owing to a medical emergency that had resulted in a serious brain injury years earlier. So was she able to formulate a plan? spur of the moment as it might have been when she saw that unlocked staff door to outsmart all of her caregivers and escape from that facility wearing a long dress and sandals likely toting a duffel bag she hasn't been found to this day here are some quotes from a former staff member of the north bay psychiatric hospital and we get that they are reflective of her own experience she said this we were not able or have the staffing to follow every patient who left the ward. We also worked short-staffed, five down the hall staff to care for 35 patients, getting our daily activities, which included feeding, washing, cleaning, laundry. It was very difficult to watch if we were busy with everyday care in our bathtub room, shower room. Again, I'm sorry. She also went on to say, this was not a jail, but you know what? If you are committed involuntarily to a psychiatric facility, it is kind of like a jail. You just can't get up and walk out. And while we appreciate this former employee's candor, we can't help but question why these issues were not addressed before these tragedies of six missing people.
we're not pointing fingers at anyone, and we certainly appreciate the hard work that these caregivers provided. But while it explains what happened, it doesn't excuse it. Looking away for a moment resulted in a family suffering years and sometimes generations of agony. And let's face it, someone looked away. Someone decided, or perhaps their workplace rules mandated, that getting the laundry done might be more important than watching a patient, even a patient who was an extremely high flight risk. Because there are really only two options here. Someone watched these six people walk out the door, or someone, or perhaps many someones, looked away. I'm going to take you sideways for just a moment to another case that's close to our hearts here at Whereabouts Unknown because it involves a young woman who was originally from the very small town that I grew up in, in Northern Ontario, Canada. Micheline Saint-Amour was a young mother who was brutally murdered in her home just outside of North Bay with her two-year-old daughter present about 40 years ago. As you may have seen on our Facebook page, we had recently started research on this case as we intended to talk about her unsolved murder in season two of our podcast. Micheline's case hadn't had a lot of attention in decades, but in recent weeks, it has made front page news nationally as her alleged killer was recently identified through DNA and has been charged with first degree murder. His name is Roger Deshane. We were quite curious about Roger Deshane, as we are sure many people are, so we started checking into his background and we were astonished to find records of a Roger Deshane who it seems worked at the North Bay Psychiatric Hospital and then transitioned over to the North Bay Regional Health Center. You'll find a copy of the page that mentions him in the collective agreement between the North Bay Regional Health Center and their union at our Facebook page later today. We also had a look at an Ontario Court Judgment File number 609 that reflects divorce proceedings between a Roger Deshane of North Bay and his former wife wherein it says that the husband and wife have accused each other with criminal and other offenses. These complaints resulted in police attendances at the matrimonial home, investigations by the Children's Aid Society, and in one case, laying a criminal charge for assault against the husband. Can there be two Roger Deshaines in North Bay, Ontario? Roger Deshane, who is alleged to have brutally and viciously killed Micheline Saint-Amour, that vulnerable young mother alone with her toddler in her own home more than 40 years ago. Has he really been employed by the North Bay Psychiatric Hospital and the North Bay Regional Health Centre all these years, interacting with patients, criminal record and all? We think we know the answer to that. And maybe by this stage of our podcast, you are thinking you do too. Please join us for our first full episode in the series about the North Bay Psychiatric Hospital, Lost Souls, The Disappearance of Don Caris, coming to you on all podcast platforms in early December 2020.